welcome to Haunted Hospitality, so them stories told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story for you today, but Zoe, this is the first time we've recorded in person together in months and months and months. I just realized that. Yeah, it's the first time. So I apologize if the audio quality is not as great as it used to be, because mm. we are on location. We are on location. <laughs> so we do we want to say where we are let's say the city but not exactly exactly where we are okay we are in augusta georgia yes we've had a very fun afternoon so far very rainy <laughs> but fun we got books at the book tavern yes uh we got coffee at the half moon cafe the new moon cafe the new moon cafe that place was delicious it was so good is it just your resistance to all things twilight that makes you unable to say the words new moon no i saw the crescent moon and so in their logo uh-huh and so yeah that doesn't make much sense but they have a giant moon painting yeah you almost think that it should just but wait that's the full moon but it's the full moon so yeah what's the new moon about they just, I guess, didn't want to have a black background and just say the New Moon Cafe. <laughs> they needed a logo. But that place was so cozy and so gay. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was very gay. Um, we also had tacos at Taco Cat. Oh, I love Taco Cat. That was so good. It was really, really good. We got queso, which, I mean, queso's cheese, so it's going to be good. But this queso was really good. It was really good. Um, I guess the purpose of this house life section is to really just give recommendations on what to do if you find yourself with an afternoon to kill in, in Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. Georgia. Um, but we are on location. What are we allowed to say? Um, we're in a hotel. We're in a hotel. We're in a haunted hotel. Hotel. Yes, that's the the whole point. point. <laughs> and this episode is not about that, but next episode is. Yes, because this is episode 99. Mm-hmm. And next episode is episode 100. Which is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah, we'll talk more about that next episode, I think. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Something horrible could happen between now and when we record in like an hour and a half. Exactly. All right, well... uh Zoe, do you have a something something for us today? I do have a something something for us. So I'm going to fulfill my promise of talking about lucid dreaming. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I've been waiting with bated breath. I, I know you have. That was the bated part. Okay. I agree with that, I think. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, It feels so. weird to look you in the eye while we're doing this. I know. I don't know what to do. Not gonna lie, nine times out of ten, I'm staring at my own image in the screen. <laughs> Zoe! <laughs> my goodness. Wow. I How Leo have, of you. I just have to make sure I'm not making a weird face. I just, I know that I make weird faces the entire time. Like, I'm very aware of that. Oh. I think I'm just, like, forgetting that we will eventually put it on YouTube. Some of the episodes, yeah. Okay. Well, anything like 80 afterwards, pretty much, yeah. Is that where I broke my leg? Um, No, it's when Kari helped me with the new way of capturing our audio. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sorry, lucid dreaming. Yeah, lucid, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys, we're in person, and we've literally spent the last, like, I think I picked you up at 10, and it's almost 5 now, and so that whole time we've spent with each other, just talking constantly. And apparently we just haven't gotten out all the words we need to say. <laughs> it's not like we don't see each other. We just don't record together. <laughs> okay, so lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. At this point, if you've been listening to our last something somethings about dreaming or something dreamies, you'll know that dreaming happens during REM sleep. REM is R-E-M, stands for rapid eye movement. I genuinely thought you were about to say, you'll know that dreaming happens when you sleep. Like, I think <laughs> that you're smart enough to know that. <laughs> okay, but, um, <laughs> and run sleep is when you're not quite asleep, but you're also not quite awake. And lucid dreaming is- Is that right? You're not fully asleep yet. Yeah, during run sleep. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, lucid dreaming is when you are aware that you are dreaming- but the dream feels vivid and real. And with practice, you might be able to even control how things move or how people react in the dream as if you are in real time directing a live action movie where you are the star. Wait, really? Because I've done 
I've thought I've lucid dreamed before, but it's not like I could make people do things. I could make myself do something. So with practice, it did say that. So like you can have a lucid dream where you don't control anything, Mm -hmm. but it says with practice, you can basically have become the conqueror of the world and have people bow down at your feet peacefully. I can Game of Thrones it. You can... No, I said peacefully. I could... You know, if she hadn't burned down the city, it might have been fine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, we don't really know why dreams happen. We don't know why lucid dreams happen. But neuroscientists have some ideas, according to WebMD. (laughs) So, a lot of this future information is from WebMD. So, in people who have lucid dreams... Scientists have found that they have a prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that handles high-level tasks like making decisions and recalling memories. Mm. And people who have lucid dreams, their prefrontal cortex is bigger than those who don't have lucid dreams. Okay. Yes. So these researchers say lucid dreaming may be kind of a between state where you aren't fully awake but aren't quite asleep either like a liminal space so maybe there's something spooky to it okay 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 so being a lucid dreamer has its pros and cons so basically the pros one is less anxiety because you're in control in your dream world so it makes you feel empowered and you can carry some of that empowerment over into your real world Nice. Mm -hmm. And so the following three things are because when you are lucid dreaming, the same neurons fire in your brain as if you were awake. So while you're lucid dreaming, if you were to practice tapping your fingers to a certain beat Mm -hmm. in the dream, the same neurons are firing as if you were doing it while you were awake. So if you practice it in your lucid dream, you can wake up and be able to do it. So if you play an instrument and you're like, man, there aren't enough hours in the day. And you lucid dream playing the instrument. Yes, it will help you play that instrument when you're awake. There are enough hours in the night. (laughs) Another pro is improved problem solving. Mm -hmm. Because while you're like, you're exercising your prefrontal cortex while you're lucid dreaming. Yeah. And so that prefrontal... I said it correctly multiple times, but that part, it handles the high-level tasks, like making decisions. And so while you're exercising it while lucid dreaming, you're quicker to respond when you're awake. And that same logic applies to your more creative person. Okay. Yeah. So some cons... And this is where I sound like a drug commercial because it's like, the pros, you stop sneezing. The cons, you might die. Oh, no. So it's not death, but the cons are lower sleep quality. So you won't feel nearly as rested mentally or physically. Oh, because like your brain is so, so active. Yes. Okay. And you're kind of trapping yourself in that REM state. And all the other states of sleep are very important to fill your body. Okay. And then the other ones are confusion, delirium, and hallucinations. So So if you lucid dream, just don't do it every night. Like. So moderation mm -hmm. is key. Yes. Yeah. But if you do want to Mm -hmm. lucid dream, you can practice. How do you do that? Yes. So some people can do it organically, but it usually happens maybe once a year. But if you want it to happen more frequently or you want more control, there are a few exercises that you can do. So one is reality testing. So this is something you do when you're awake. And basically, regularly throughout the day, whenever you think about it, try to do something impossible. The examples WebMD provide are push a finger through your palm or inhale through a closed mouth. So while you're awake and just around, try to... Yeah, Robin's trying to <laughs> inhale through a closed mouth right now. It's a weirdly creepy feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, if you train your brain to be like, oh, I'm not doing anything in right now. Let me see if I can... 
pushed my finger through my hand and you genuinely believe that you could and you try and it's not working, you'd be like, okay, I'm awake right now. I'm in the real world. Mm -hmm. And if you train your brain to do that enough, when you're sleeping in a dream, your brain will be like, oh, this is something that I do. Okay, let me try to put my finger through my hand. And then you will go through your hand. And then you'll know it's And a then dream. you'll know it's a dream. That's weird. Yeah. And also, you will look weird. Yeah. <laughs> if you try to do that. Yes. But yeah, so it'll trigger you to be like, oh, I'm in a dream right now. And if it triggers you enough to be more aware of being in a dream, but doesn't wake you up, mm-hmm. that's where you'll be in that lucid dreaming state. I apologize, guys, if there's background noise. We are in a hotel and cannot stop our roommates, I guess, <laughs> from... I don't like thinking of them as my roommates. Fellow guests. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so another thing you can do is to keep a dream diary. Once again, I'm recommending this. If you keep a log, it, like, trains your brain to be more focused on your dreams. So if you're trying to recall your dreams every day... Am I talking about dreaming? Is that why you're yawning? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> but um, if you keep a log, like you're trying to recall your brains, your brains more, your dreams more, and mm-hmm. it'll like kind of train your brain to try to remember them a little bit more. And when you're trying to remember it, it'll capture information and it'll help with lucid dreaming. Another thing is to do wake back to bed. So basically what you'll do is you'll go to bed. Uh-huh. You'll set a timer for five hours. Uh-huh. And you'll sleep for five hours, wake up when that timer goes off, stay awake for a brief period of time, not really doing anything, like just scroll on your phone for a little bit, just enough for you to be awake, like yeah. you're not just rolling over and going back to sleep, and then go back to sleep. So this will, like, trigger you to go back into a REM cycle, basically, so it's like you're starting over. But your body's still rested from the five hours that you did get. Okay. Yeah. And then the next one is mnemonic induction of lucid dreams, which is hyphenated. Hyphenated? It's shortened to be mild. Abbreviated. Yeah, abbreviated to be mild. M-I-L-D. And basically, when it's paired with the wake back to bed, when you're in that awake stage after the five hours, what you'll do is repeat to yourself over and over again like a mantra the next time i'm dreaming i will remember that i'm dreaming so you just say that over and over i'll say it again the next time i'm dreaming i will remember that i'm dreaming and this uses something called perspective memory and this is the act of remembering to do something in the future which triggers a section of your brain that could trigger a lucid dream that's fascinating Mm -hmm. The next time I'm dreaming, I will remember that I'm I'm dreaming. dreaming. Yeah. Okay. And then drugs is the next thing. We don't recommend. But, okay, so some drugs (laughs) can affect your sleep and dreams. So they say to avoid depressors or downers or whatever you want to call them. Things like alcohol, I think. Yeah. So avoid those. And honestly, you probably wouldn't really want uppers either. But there are some medicine that can affect your sleep and your dreams. WebMD did not list out which ones, which is probably because they don't recommend either. (laughs) And then the last thing is devices. So there are masks or headbands that have sounds or lights that are kind of meditative. Uh Uh-huh. And it will hopefully, like, get you into a meditative sleep while you're, like, a, you know, like a meditative state while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And that could trigger a lucid dream. It's no, None of this has been proven, just saying. Okay. But, um, and then, so that could help. And there's other devices like recorders where you can record what you say in your sleep if you're a sleep talker. And that can trigger you to remember your dreams. Mm-hmm. And again, help you just like how the dream diary would. And then you can have a device that is playing that mantra over and over again. The next time I'm dreaming... I will remember that I'm dreaming that mantra. Which will also seem very weird to if anybody's in there with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll be like, um, can you stop this journey? <laughs> but yeah, that 
is lucid dreaming and how to lucid dream. Well, so thank you for explaining. Have you ever had a lucid dream? So I would want to say I've had very vivid dreams before. Okay. I don't know if it would be a lucid dream because I wasn't able to control things. And then I've also had like, I, I call it like, okay, so it's stupid, but it's daydreaming at night. Where basically, I like sometimes if I just can't go to bed, yeah, I'll like tell myself a story. Like yeah. I'll make up a story, and if I fall asleep while I'm thinking of that story, it usually I can visualize it a little bit before I fall asleep. But I don't think that's a lucid dream, even though I'm controlling things. When you say visualize it, what do you mean? Like I can see it just a little bit, like I would be in a dream. Do you but, not see things? What do you mean? Like, when you're thinking of, like, a story, do you not see it? Like, the words on a page? No, like, it happening. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, okay. This is- I, I know there's, like, different levels of way, pe- pe- like, people can picture things in their head. Like, if they say, close your eyes and picture an apple, can you see an apple? Yeah. And it's, like- <laughs> I don't see an apple as if there's an apple in front of me, but, so I don't see it, but, like, there's a different way of seeing that I can see it. Can you, I'm sorry, can you explain? (laughs) We're in a tangent. Okay, yes, we are in a tangent. (laughs) But it's like, okay. Because I saw this TikToker recently who was saying that she never could visualize things in her head and was just learning that other people could, whereas I think I only know things through visuals. So, like, I can close my eyes, and if I'm looking with my eyeballs, all I see is black, okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> so, I don't see an apple. Okay, but, like, I mean, but, like... But it's, like, it's like on the top of my head, there's something happening where yeah. I can imagine maybe the vaguest shape of an apple, but it's, if I want to really concretely picture an apple it feels more like a memory i think i get that because i'm closing my eyes right now (laughs) and i'm trying it and before you said top of my head it was kind of at the top of my head however once i like kind of got a little bit away from thinking oh my god the back of my eyelids are black like i (laughs) like i was able to be like oh wait no this is an apple yeah um okay I think we think in different ways. I think so, too. Because when I'm, like, writing a story or something, it's very much, like, I have the images in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you. I have yeah. had, I think of lucid dreaming, I mean, clearly it's being able to control things, but I think more of it as, to me, to qualify as a lucid dream, I think of it as you are aware, you are self-aware. Yeah. And so there was one time mm-hmm. that I was in an Eckerd's in a dream. And there was Severus Snape, and then <laughs> he was outside in the Blockbuster parking lot, though. It was a connected thing. Anyway, this is in Georgia, in another city. Not Augusta. My point. There was a cafeteria worker from my elementary school who was in the Eckerds with me, and she was like, you know you can fly, right? And I think at that point I realized it was a dream, because I was like, well, let me... Or maybe it was more like I was just able to do things in a way that I'm not able to do things in dreams. Uh-huh. And... I really had to save the day, like I always do in my dreams. Very main character energy. Uh, And so I like leaned back and with my hands behind my head and kicked my legs out, got like a foot off the ground, tilted a little bit, kind of like I was swimming. And then I went back down and I was like, thanks, no time. (laughs) I ran out. Anyway, I did not save the day. The dinosaur came down in the middle of everything. I think it was Barney. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I have had dreams so vivid before Mm -hmm. that, like, the next day I would be, like, genuinely upset with somebody because of something that happened in my dream. Like, I legit, like, so I'm so passive-aggressive. Instead of saying good morning, I said morning. To Yeah. Yeah. Because, Because I was pissed. And then I realized, I was like, oh, that was a dream. And so I was like, good morning. (laughs) I think you could beg the question of like, was I subconsciously upset at this person before the dream though? True. I had a dream that our high school lit mag advisor 
was possessed by a demon and hunting me through Walmart. Wow. And the next morning, like, usually I would walk through the hallway and I passed her and we would wave. This morning, I, like, walked to the other end of the hallway. Like, I I avoided her. Oh, no. (sighs) Sorry. No, you're not good. (laughs) No, sorry to her. Oh, sorry to her. Okay. Yeah, no. She didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have a story for us, Robin? I do. (gasps) I know. Shocker of all shockers. Have you heard of the female stranger? I mean, there's many women out there. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, the female stranger, I not have... a female stranger. <laughs> I have not. No. Okay, brief history lesson. Ahem. Ahem. So, <laughs> uh huh. There's a place in Old Town, which is a neighborhood in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. Which is the historic district by the river, and across the river you have DC. And this place is, it's just constructed of buildings that were made in the 1700s, and the streets are paved with cobblestones. It's very old-timey, and this specific place is called Gadsby's Tavern Museum. Gadsby's, as in the Great Gadsby? No. Okay. Gadsby's. It's a D. Okay. Wait, how is Gadsby spelled? I think it has a T. This is Gadsby's. Okay. The vibe is so different. Very. Gadsby's Tavern Museum. And it's a combination of two buildings that are in Old Town, and they were constructed in 1785 and 1792, and one was a tavern, and one was a tavern-hotel combo. Very important information for you to know. Okay. No, it's not. Oh. Um, Gadsby. (laughs) (laughs) But before it was a museum, because now it's a museum, it was uh, called Gadsby's City Tavern, and would sometimes be called the City Tavern. And this was a place, like many taverns of this time period and other taverns we've covered, it was the place to be. Of course. Uh, And it featured many well-known patrons, uh, including George Washington. I think I did like, yeah, I did like a Hamilton, like, saying of George Washington and like, right-hand man. Do people know? Do people know? George Washington, who spent at least one night there. Uh Uh-huh. The Marquis de Lafayette. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Um, so basically every oh. character of Hamilton. Oh, right. But... Because it's right across the street from D.C. Yes. However, okay. at the time, like, when it, when all these people were going there, I don't think that... D.C. was the capital? No, it wasn't. It was further north. Okay. However, it was still a hub. Okay. And this was actually the hometown of George Washington specifically. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So George Washington, we know, went to the tavern at least twice, both for something called the birth night ball. Oh. This was something honoring his birthday. Aww. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a holdover from celebrations that happened in England that celebrated the monarch's birthday. And so, you know, back when you're starting the nation, you're making George Washington president, uh, it wasn't always completely cut and dry where our traditions and the way we thought of presidents ended versus what they did. Mm-hmm. The England with their monarchs and stuff, because we were like trying to figure things out for ourselves. And so they did birth night balls for him as the president. And this was all across the nation. Okay. However, most of the ones that he went to were in the North while he was president. But Alexandria was still doing them over here. And he did go in 1798 and 1799 when he was no longer president and could be away from the North. Okay. Yes. And so the Gadsby's Tavern is also part of a piece of folklore which is very core to Alexandria. I would like to emphasize folklore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is a mishmash of, like, just stories that people have kind of glued together there's different versions of it it does all go back to a root yeah it's just that the root was only put into print like at least 20 years after it first happened so folklore yeah which is something we love to share in this podcast yeah i think the one of the more recent ones we've done it was like the bunny man where that was also like 40 different stories but it had one very unexciting root (laughs) And also was from Virginia. Oh, 
Virginia just likes to talk then. Virginia gets chatty. <laughs> okay, so the in September or October of 1816, a young woman and her husband... Question mark? Question mark. There was some speculation. Okay. Arrived at the doorstep to Gadsby's Tavern. She was wearing a black veil, which covered her face, and she did not... Yes, Zoe, thank you for symbolizing what it's <laughs> covering your eyes looks like. And it did not seem like she was doing well. They clearly weren't from there. At least one version of this says they came on a ship from the Caribbean. They didn't know anybody, and so they came in, and she was doing so badly that some people wondered if she had typhoid or something. Mm. And she did seem, people noticed, quite sad as well okay so they checked into room eight so that they could see a doctor while they were here for her and that is on the second floor of gatsby's tavern and i saw one source that said when her husband hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so judged why am i judging this i think i'm i'm judging him i don't like him i'm sorry oh. spoilers one source that said that her husband carried her into room eight for the first time and when he did so, he bumped into the number eight that labeled the door. And the eight turned over and became the infinity sign. Oh, I was going to say an eight, but upside down. <laughs> <laughs> it just became another eight for some reason. We decided to pass that on. Yeah. No, it's an infinity sign, Zoe. Which, I'm so sorry. Which was a bad omen. Oh, really? Yeah. The infinity sign used to be a bad omen? Because no, now it's no. a good omen. On its own, I guess it's not a bad omen, but with the context of it, oh. it's a bad omen. Okay. I'll Can take I your word you? for it. Can oh, I okay. You? Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do foreshadowing, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she mostly kept to herself while she was in there, and she was not very talkative. Neither of the I saw like one account that said the husband was just like chatting away, but everything else says they really weren't. Okay. And even though this place was the center of everything, they were just really quiet and kept to themselves. And they did get a doctor to see her. This was Dr. Richards. I know nothing else about this man. And they got some nurses in there as well. And while she was being treated, the husband had a request for all of them. Mm-hmm. He said, do not ever anybody else who we are okay they didn't give their names out while they were there yeah that's just gonna cast more suspicion upon you right thank you <laughs> so they were there for weeks not giving out their names the doctors and the nurses that were coming in and out of the room were not really talking about who they were and then locals were like is he even her husband like there, there was just lots of wondering about what was going on They stayed there for weeks, but she did not get better, and on October 14th, she died in room eight. She died before talking to really anyone about her personal life other than a minister, Mm. because a minister had come to the room before she had died, I'm sure to do some sort of last rites thing, and it seems like she confided in him, but he never told a soul, so we really, it's still a mystery, and... The husband could not really have her body transported to wherever it was they were from or wherever it was they were going, Cotton Eye Joe, and and he needed to have her buried in Alexandria. A very kind man in town lent him the money to pay for his wife's tombstone and burial, and it must have cost quite a bit. It was... Very beautifully done, and she was buried in St. Paul's Episcopal Church Cemetery. Okay. Which is still there today. And shortly thereafter, her husband left town without paying. So. Okay. He had written some bad checks also while he was there, and so his debts in total were $1,500 at that time, which I'm sure is actually a lot of money. No. I didn't go to the inflation calculator. I didn't. I shirked my responsibilities. Wait, can I? Okay. This is a simple Google. Okay, he owed $31,500. Dang. And you didn't even stay there that long. You know, you were there for a few weeks, your wife died, you had to pay for a tombstone. Anyway, debt to the guy, debt for the bad checks were $1,500. He fled town. The last we hear any bit about this strange man 
was from a guy named Lawrence Hill, who was a business owner in Alexandria and to whom this guy owed some money. In 1830, Lawrence Hill moved to New York, and he said that he came across the husband in a New York prison years after all of this happened. So, who knows about him? But, because nobody knew who he was at the time, there was really nothing to do about it, because you can't trace somebody who won't tell you who they are. And nobody ever learned who she was, and in fact, I saw somebody say that the owner of the Gadsby's Tavern actually crossed out her husband's name in the guest book, so nobody would learn it from there either. I'm surprised at how many people were in on this. Yeah, they must have been. I wonder if they were, like, running away, like they were refugees or something. And so, like, the people were sympathetic to their cause, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they thought the husband would actually pay them, and so they were willing to just keep quiet as long as everything came through, which it ended up not. Just a quick question, though. How do we not know her name if she had a gravestone? That's what I'm going to next. Okay. So, okay. I will say, the story is truly steeped in folklore, um, which, like I said before, means that it's not necessary history and has been built up and embellished from generations of people telling each other about it. Virginia is shady. And I love this because I think it's a way to understand people and culture. And if you look at, like, in the past, like, you could argue, I think, that the Iliad and the Odyssey and stuff like that is folklore as well, because it was originally an oral tradition before it got written down. By the way... We think Homer, I heard, was like more like a group of women rather than a guy. I have heard that theory. I didn't read into it, but... I haven't either, but I like it, so I'm putting it out there and I need to verify. But all this to say, I, if this next part didn't exist, I think I would be more inclined to believe that this was really just folklore, like that perhaps it had like a kernel of truth, but was really just a story. However... We do have the gravestone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not a simple headstone that you see on graves. It is the length of her body, and it is held up by six pillars, and they're all this marble. And, you know, of course, like any marble, it attracts, is it lichen? 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 Oh, yeah, China. I know what you're talking about. And dirt and all these other things to cloud up the surface. However, I have seen photos of it, and it's a very, when it's cleaned, it's a very bright white. It's okay. very pretty. Um, And you might be asking, like you are, (laughs) (laughs) if they're not, if they're so careful about not sharing who they are, what is on the headstone? I'm going to read you the headstone. To the memory of a female stranger who's mortal your face. Oh my gosh. (laughs) To the memory of a female stranger whose mortal sufferings terminated on the 14th day of October, 1860, 1816, (laughs) aged 23 years and eight months. This stone is placed here by her disconsolate husband, in whose arms she sighed out her latest breath, and who under God did his utmost even to soothe the cold, dead ear of death. Now we move on to a slightly off quote from the Elegy to the Memory of an Unfortunate Lady by English poet Alexander Pope. It reads, How loved, how valued once avails thee not, to whom related or by whom begot, a heap of dust alone remains of thee. It's all thou art, and all the proud shall be. And then we move on to a verse from the Bible. <laughs> oh, okay. This is really long. Yeah. It's a I mean, lot I, it's, to say. It's, it's a long headstone. It's a long headstone, and they were like, well, we gotta feel the space somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the design will be off otherwise. And so it says, To him gave all the prophets witness that, through him's name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of his sins. Acts 10th chapter, 43rd verse. Ahem. There's lots to cover. So let's take a moment to yeah. read again that stands her. Stands her. <laughs> from the Alexander Pope poem. <laughs> <laughs> that stands her from the Alexander Pope poem because it is quite bleak. It says, How loved, how valued once avails thee not, to whom related or by whom begot, a heap of dust alone remains of thee, tis all thou art and all the proud shall be. There's nothing, like, reassuring about it. It essentially... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah, no, it's basically, like, you're dead, and people loved you or forgot you, but now you're just ashes. It, it says everything you were in life does not matter now. Yeah, like, you're... It's, like, literally the everybody who... Everybody in this world, regardless of how they were born, they die. <laughs> like... And 
it's saying like nothing yeah nothing anybody else does and i'm like well why would you put that on like your wife's tombstone yeah i don't know so okay i saw on wikipedia that it said that it wasn't an exact copy of the verse and so of course me i look up the poem it's the 71st line through the 74th line or something like that i go to it and there's only one word of difference and so the poem as it reads on the tombstone says how loved how valued once avails thee not while the original poem says how loved how honored once avails thee not and then Ooh. i no zoe we were english majors yeah there's a big difference between honored and value yes and so i considered going down a rabbit hole that like my english major self really wanted to go on yeah i did not but i did put a brief thinking of what that rabbit hole might outline to be mm-hmm. if i did go down which i did not for the sake of the because it's not related uh-huh. but <laughs> i was thinking like okay did the husband switch out the word honored for valued because honored potentially connoted a higher social status mm-hmm. and he was dedicated to hiding who they really were does this mean that they were of a high, higher social class and he was trying to hide that yeah but then in that case why would you change it because that would just bring attention to it if people were up to date on every single word of an Alexander Pope poem, I mean, he's a well-known poet, but I don't know if somebody would be like, word for word, like, like I don't know if I'm, I'm crazy. I don't, I don't know if other people would do it. But I was also thinking, did he switch it to valued as a means of discussing the value as currency? As in, did they used to have money and now, and now did it? Don't. How valued you were. were. Uh-huh. But like I said, it did not go down this rabbit hole. So, And I, I do want to state, because there are probably people out there screaming it, it could have been he just forgot the words. That is very much the most likely option. <laughs> but again, it's just... When, okay, when you are... In, here's the fun thing about being an English major. Here was the most fun thing and the thing that makes me want to get a PhD. Okay, when you are reading something, if you can back up... If you notice something and you think this has a potential of being the case, yeah. as long as you back up your argument, uh-huh. you can say whatever you want. You yes, know? but this is not English literature. No, this is not. very real world. I mean, it's folk. <laughs> well, the, wait, the tombstone actually The tombstone exists. exists. Yeah. She, this woman existed. This yeah. woman was real. Yeah. This And this tombstone is proof. And this tombstone is like, why everybody's like, well, who's the female stranger yeah okay and something i would would like to point out about all that was written there and i'm not the only one who has thought it in fact like the first column that was really about the female stranger which came out in 1836 by a woman whose name was susan and the rest of her four names are listed down below because she also (laughs) wrote a poem about i'm going to bring up her name at some point but she was saying that even though the tombstone was quite wordy we know nothing about the woman it's about. Like, nothing right. about her character. It was, we have, like, a whole verse on how her husband was, like, really caring toward her when she died. Mm-hmm. But we have nothing about, like, who she was other than the fact he misses her. It's all through his lens. Yeah. Which is so self-centered. Yes. Just letting you know. Okay. So, Zoe, the real reason why this, has maintained in the minds of Alexandrians for a long time is because it's just a mystery. We don't know who the female stranger is, and when there is a mystery without an answer, people tend to run wild with theories. Yeah. Which is fun. So, the most popular theory is that this is Theodosia Burr. Do you know who that is? No. Hamilton comes in again. So, <laughs> so this is the daughter and only child of Aaron Burr, who, if you've been paying attention to history class and or have listened to the musical, Hamilton. I have done neither. Okay, you know, was the vice president to Thomas Jefferson, and he also killed America's first treasury secretary, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel. Okay. So this is his only child. The dates don't necessarily fall in line. However... They're close enough that I'm allowing it. Uh, <laughs> oh, if Robin allows it. If Robin allows it, we're good. So the female stranger died in 1816, whereas Theodosia Burr's presumed death occurred in 1813. And Theodosia Burr would have been, so she was 29 
when mm. she disappeared. Yeah. And so she would be 33. Well, I thought 32, and then a website said 33, and I guess they looked at her actual birthday by 1816. So that is almost 10 years older than the young woman was said to be. I argue that you can be a youthful-looking 33-year-old or an older-looking 23-year-old, and I think one could be the other. I could see somebody falsifying the age on the tombstone if you aren't going to even put her name. Like, if that was, okay, that was a comment on a Reddit thread that I saw. So I was on the Reddit thread trying to see if anybody had any personal experiences seeing the female stranger's ghost at the Gatsby Tavern. Ooh. Couldn't find any. Okay. And I was about to exit out, and then I saw one comment, and so then I hit the back button, and I went <laughs> and looked at it, and they were like, but why would they put the correct, like, age? Yeah. If they were trying to keep everything else quiet. Yeah, if they were so far as to remove, change the word from honored to valued. <laughs> <laughs> I would put the false date, too. The first false age, too. I mean, if you're just going to lie about one thing, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. Okay, so right now it's looking good for Theodosia. Well. <laughs> so, okay. Theodosia, it, her death has been something people have speculated about for quite a long time, simply because she was a well-known figure who was lost at sea. She had been living in South Carolina at this point in her life, and her husband had just recently been made governor there. And her father, Aaron Burr, had been in Europe for years because he had been tried, acquitted, but still tried for treason. And, you know, just go there because people were kind of anti-Aaron Burr at that point. He eventually comes back, and she was going to go see him. She was going to take a trip on a ship. Uh (laughs) I don't know why that tickles me so from Georgetown, South Carolina, to go north to see her dad when he returned. However, the ship disappeared after embarking on the journey. Most likely, she died in a shipwreck, with some people thinking that perhaps it was off the North Carolina coast, Uh um, because those are some treacherous waters, plugging our episode Graveyard of the Atlantic, Mm -hmm. where we go into depth. (laughs) I just love ships, okay? (laughs) Into depth about why it is dangerous. There was also a pattern of groups of people who would routinely trick ships into wrecking on the shoals. Why? In order to plunder them for wares. It was like pirating, but like if you didn't feel like being in a boat. (laughs) So I read this one thing that said that they would put a light, they would put a lantern around a donkey's neck and then be like, okay, walk up and down the beach when it's dark. And so apparently the donkey going back and forth and, you know, it's like the light bouncing a little bit. It looked like it was a light on a ship that was safely docked. And so ships would be like, oh, well, shoot, we can just dock there right now. And, but you're on these shoals, which is like sand that comes up and Mm -hmm. it's really dangerous waters because of all these reasons and all of these barrier islands coming up and it just was a recipe for disaster and so there's many reasons to assume that she died via shipwreck especially since looking back at the weather at the time which i mean i don't know how to do but other people know how to do um, (laughs) there was a really bad storm near cape hatteras which is the graveyard of the atlantic during around the time she probably would have been in that vicinity gotcha okay anyway of course, people are like, but did she die, though? Yeah. And there's theories that perhaps they were taken over by pirates, or they did shipwreck, but the pirates captured her. And so she was living with the pirates, and there's a theory that perhaps she escaped the pirates and came to Alexandria, Virginia. To die. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And in fact, I... I didn't put this in my notes, but actually there's, like, an article in the Times-Picayune, which we have used as sources before, because that's from New Orleans, where they were like, oh, the female stranger, I don't know why they were giving their two cents. They're not from here. But they were, they were like, the female stranger, she's Theodosia Burr, and later in life, they were like, and her husband, the governor, has visited her gravesite, the female stranger, which I don't know how they know that. Yeah. And also, like, Shoot, I might go to the female stranger's gravesite. It doesn't mean I was married to her. Yeah. 
Though, I mean, when it comes to New Orleans and graves, I'm ten, I tend to believe what they say. <laughs> yes. yes, but there, it's not New Orleans. But it's not their graves, yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. So, do I think that this was Theodosia Burr? I feel like it's too big of a time difference. No, I absolutely, there's, there, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's probably, like, the most fun story, and I do like that these stories do intersect, because it's quite a thing to speculate. It, it's quite... A thing that people speculate on about what happened to Theodosia Burr. So I do like that we've, instead of, like, having two mysteries, people have decided to be like, no, it's one answer. Very efficient. It's so efficient. It's two birds, one stone. (laughs) Of course, there's other theories and, lordy. Okay, so this comes from a novel that I think says it's true, but it's a novel. Okay. It's called The Narrative of John Trust, and it's by William Francis either Crane or Carn, and it came out in 1883 or 1882. So we're like 50 years after this. Ha- we're, we're over 50 years after this happened. Okay. Grain of salt. I'm piling salt on top of you right now. Very salty. It's so salty. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a story involving a group of orphans who grow up without knowing who each other are. Okay. There are two of them who are brothers, John Rowe and John Trust, because everybody is named John. I'm sorry, they're brothers, but they have the same first name, not they the don't, same last they're name? They're orphans who don't know. I'm sure they got, like, separated. They don't know oh. who each other are. They just both happen to be named John. Got it. Because, <laughs> okay. of course. So, John Rowe and John Trust. So, they are both in love with, in love with a woman named Blanche Gordon, who they don't know is their sister. Gross. 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 So Blanche and John Trust are together. Oh. But then John Rowe takes her away, and I think the implication is that it's true trickery because he's a hypnotist. Oh. So they go to Alexandria, and I think this is where it comes, like, the female stranger. And they go to Alexandria, she gets really sick and is dying, and there she asks John Rowe to tell the other John that it was him, the other John, who she loved all along. Oh. I'm strongly choosing to believe that this is fiction. Yeah, like, (laughs) there's no proof to it. No, and it sounds like fiction. Yeah. And I want it to be fiction. (laughs) (laughs) There's another theory, and I also want this one to be fiction. Okay. So, okay, this is a... (laughs) by Charles T. Johnson Jr. from 1912. He wrote about a person in England who is a lord who took in a girl young woman as a ward like it would have to be a minor in order to be a ward you know what a ward is yes okay cool and so he's taking care of her but he falls in love with her yeah yeah she is already in love with this other guy and so he catches them being in love together embracing or whatever and he's so angry that oh and the other guy's named john oh (laughs) The, the, the title is the the, <laughs> the the female stranger and all of the Johns. The female stranger and all of the Johns. Oh shoot, that is a good title. I was just gonna do the first line of the tombstone to the memory of a female stranger. Oh, that's cute too. We'll figure. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know. So look at your phone and see which one won. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna fight. Just like the Lord and John fought when <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> I'm connecting it. Ooh. Saw John with the female stranger. Uh-huh. Um, and so J- the Lord's like, I'm going to fight. So they fight. And the Lord is older and John is her age. And then a three stooges happen. Stooges moment happens. Okay. Do you know who the three stooges are? Yes. You just looked like you didn't. Because I was, I was not expecting that. The three, a three. Like what? Did they get bonged on a- the head with a piece of wood? Essentially. So a three stooges <laughs> moment happens. They're fighting. The Lord trips, hits his head, and dies. Oh, cool. <laughs> so then John and the female stranger <laughs> get married. Uh huh. And they're like, ooh, could we be legally implicated in his death? And so they just up and leave. They go to Virginia <laughs> from England, they go to Virginia. And while there, she contracts typhoid because she's the female stranger. And they they were in, like, an area of Virginia, and then I think they go specifically to Alexandria, 
so she can see a good doctor. However, she dies anyway, and we know how the story ends. Right. I think that is fiction as well. Yeah. (laughs) There are other theories too, and this is really just kind of scraping the top of them, but these are the ones who I think, I think people are just writing like fan fiction about the female stranger, but still they did it a long time ago, so you're like, hmm. Is it (laughs) real? real? (laughs) Everything that's old is real, right? So we, yeah. 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 Some people believe that the female stranger and the female stranger's husband were con artists. And it just so happened that one of them died on this con. That makes sense to me. Yeah, since they were writing bad checks anyway. Or at least he was. Yeah. And who knows, maybe like if she were really up on her game, she'd be like doing that too. Yeah. She just wasn't feeling herself. Maybe she would have been swindling some men down at the tavern. Yes. <sighs> Poor female stranger. She really yeah. could have done something there. And... <laughs> Uh, some people believe that this is a whole Romeo and Juliet situation where their families are fighting, so they're there in secret, and they're running away, but then she dies. dies. And then, you know, just like Romeo, the husband whose name I'm assuming is John at this point, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> skips town and without paying anybody. My theory, I have some thoughts on this. Tell um, me your thoughts. Okay, so I'm thinking that if they didn't, I'm wondering like if they actually did give their names and that it just the tombstone itself was the thing doing that. Because, like, there was this one thing. I I need to go back and find it. But I did see this one thing written by a guy whose dad was there around the time the female stranger was there. Okay. And it was this guy purely speculating, but being like, could they really just not tell anybody their names? Because this guy was saying that, like, the husband actually was just, like, chatting with people. And he's like, how could he not give a name? But the argument could be they could give a false name. Yeah. And then be like, I'm, maybe he was like false name, and then he was like, I'm not going to put a false name on my wife's uh, tombstone. tombstone. Yeah. And so I'll just put no name. So that could be it. And maybe if you want to like Da Vinci code it, mm-hmm. you can like look at everything that was written in on the tombstone and like really like dive deep, look into the Bible, all this shit. Valued versus honored. Yeah. <laughs> And you can, like, really deep look at the third letter of every word, and maybe her name's somewhere in there. Yes. Yes! Mm -hmm. This is just a logic puzzle. So if somebody has zero, all the time on their hands, and nothing to do, um, do that for us and let us know what you find. Yeah. Create an app where people can do the logic puzzle themselves. Yeah. I love it. I'm looking at, like, the people who do, like, Five Nights at Freddy lore. Like, come on. You guys can do it. I don't know what she's talking about. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also thinking that if he was going to skip town anyway, it does help him not to have put a name on the tombstone. Uh Uh-huh. This is probably a question that you don't know the answer to. You said he was writing checks. Aren't... Um... Is it your name usually on your check? Okay, okay. It was... In the article I saw, it said banknotes. I assumed that meant checks, and so I was trying to modernize the language. Am I wrong? I don't know. It might have literally been a... It might have been, like, the precursor to a check. Okay. And again, he could have just given a false name. Yeah. He could have stolen the checks from someone or something. Yeah. People... It's not like today where you gotta show your ID all the time. Yeah. Like, people could just lie. Yeah. You know how tempting it would be, like, if you did something super embarrassing back then, to just, like, go to a town 30 minutes over, you'll never have to see those people again. You could just <laughs> give them a fake name. I'll be like, hi, I'm Zoe. Rude. Hi, I'm... Street Lamp Tree Branch. Yep. That's <laughs> me, Street Lamp Tree Branch. And it has a good snappy quality to it. So there are... A, there, there's a little bit. Of a ghost story. Oh, great. You did mention a ghost earlier. Yes, yes. So she is said to haunt room eight because that's where she died. You mean room infinity? (laughs) Room infinity. The whole thing is like, she would be there forever. I think think that's what it was talking about. I think that that was the thing that was added way later and Uh very recently. (laughs) Uh However, it was cool and it's part of it, so I wanted to put it in. (laughs) So... She will supposedly stand at the window of the room, looking out while holding a lit candle. Zoe, what are you? Zoe has now moved to the window of our haunted hotel room. 
window, whatever, and she is holding a lit candle, and she is looking out over the parking lot. (laughs) I really hope that you made a podcast, Zoe. (laughs) Like, I hope that somebody sees that, and it eventually becomes a podcast. Yeah, I really hope somebody thinks that I was the ghost just then. That would be absolutely amazing. So, people will hear the sound of her crying from room eight. Okay. That's sad. Yeah. If it's real. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One time, and this is probably the most substantial ghost story we have of her. One time, a tour guide for a company called Alexandria Colonial Tours was attending a birthright ball, because Gatsby's Tavern still has them. Okay. For, you know, Washington. We didn't really change it to every other president. It just... Stayed Washington. It stayed Washington. Well, isn't that what President's Day is? Washington's birthday? I thought it was like a few of them. It was Washington and Abraham Lincoln. I okay, that sense. makes sense. Yeah. I really should probably, I guess, know more about that. But <laughs> this guy at Gatsby's... Gatsby's? Not Gatsby's. Who do I think I am? Tavern for the Birthright Ball. And he saw a woman who looked very beautiful. Ooh. And... The guy who's telling the story, who was the owner of the Alexandria Colonial Tours, so the guy had related to him, he was telling this to a newspaper. He said that the tour guide wanted to go and say hi to her. However, I read that as he wanted to shoot his shot. Uh Uh-huh. So she walks into one of the tavern rooms where guests used to sleep, because now it's kind of ripped off. It is room eight. And he's like, I'm just going to go and, you know, shoot my shot. He trails after her into the room. He gets there. She is not there. Uh Uh-huh. However, there is a lantern with a little flame flickering in the room. Ooh. And now he's curious. He's like, well, where did she go? So he finds a museum curator, and he's like, hey, have you seen her? And I don't know what the question looked like at the time, but I have to assume, like, it involved asking about a hot woman with the power of invisibility and or a trapdoor. Because, like, (laughs) are you thinking ghost? Because I'm thinking ghost. Or was he thinking, like, hmm, just still looking after this hot woman? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So the curator was not helpful in finding the woman. And the guy's like, okay. But then the guy thinks to warn the curator about the lantern because he's like, hmm, the open flame, empty room. Should probably let him know about it. And the curator tells the tour guide, well, this is impossible because the curator already extinguished the candles earlier that evening. So the tour guide is like, well, there is one. And together they go into the room, eight, and there they find the lantern, but it's off. There's no flame. So the tour guide goes up to it, not understanding how the flame had disappeared, just like the woman had, and he puts his finger against the glass of the lantern, and it's so hot, (gasps) he burns his finger. Oh, wow. Ooh. The lantern had just gone out. Just like her life. Well, that happened, like over 200 years ago so like <laughs> keep up <laughs> so the owner of alexandria colonial tours said that they think the female stranger had lit the lantern as a way for her husband who had left alexandria so long ago to find her oh which gives very much mary the wanderer vibes going back yeah. to episode one i do find it interesting in this story how secretive the ghost is being because she is very careful that the tour guide is the only one who saw her that or he's lying i don't know um i mean anything is possible anything i'm not accusing anybody of anything i just got to point out because i was writing that and i was like "Ooh, how sneaky of her there is one other option (laughs) i just had to put that here because i try to be as honest as possible so there's also a similar story in the book ghosts of virginia by lb taylor published in 1993 except in this one the female stranger is carrying a candle as she walks into a bedroom not the lantern. Got and it. Not the lantern is already there because it doesn't say she was carrying the lantern in that time. So, some folks have advocated for DNA testing because she has a body. Oh, yeah. But others argue that the mystery is the best part and that if she wanted to stay secret, let her stay secret. Yeah, like what would be the point of DNA testing her? And also, like, would you really be able to match? And also, it was like 200 years ago, you'd be like, Okay, she has a great, 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 great niece that's in Minnesota doing, like, how do you do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to end with an excerpt from a poem which appeared in the Alexandria Gazette in 1834, written by Susan Rigby Dallin Morgan. I told you I would get to that name. Okay, yes. 
In the poem, the speaker has been going through a cemetery, looking at the grave markers, when she comes upon the grave of a female stranger, and that is where I begin. Mm-hmm. The tomb was marble, round it grew, young trees, but worn and leafless too, and looking much like woe. From all the other graves apart, this seemed of some sad broken heart, the last retreat below. Beneath, a female stranger slept, no record of her name was kept upon the marble leaf. The inscription no account supplied, save this, its tenant lived and died, and was a child of grief. Her days were numbered there, tis true, but they were briefly told and few, and as their sum I cast, my fancy swiftly wandered back to the dark scenes of life's worn track through which perchance she passed. But no fiducial proof could I from wild conjectures field supply to cast on one true one ray, and with a sympathizing breast I left the stranger's place of rest. That dreamless bed of clay. Sleep, stranger, sleep. May none presume with envious hand to raise thy tomb, or which dark mystery waves, and throws an interest in thy lot, which seems to consecrate the spot, and from oblivion saves. My fancy oft shall hover round the silent, grassy, nameless mound, the female stranger's tomb, and in the morn that wakes the jest, I hope to see thy sleeping death arise in glorious bloom. Oh, I just thought that was so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Robin. Okay, Robin. It was <laughs> sweet. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. That's all I have. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Robin. That was fun. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about, I just like the mystery ones, you know? Yeah. Where there's not a clear answer, and it's just been passed down, so I thought... Let's just pass it down one more rug. Woo! More people. More people. Yeah. So everybody who's listening, when you have kids, if you have kids, tell them this story and then make them tell their kids if they have kids. And by then the planet's probably dead, so we're good. Oh my god. We're all dust. All right, everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friendo, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash hauntedhospitality. For just $3 a month, you get a new episode with us. Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky. Mm-hmm. If you want to see Robin's sources, you can head over to hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com. Um, they are there, most likely. And yeah, <laughs> they will be there. They will be there. Um, or if you have your own spooky story, maybe you've been to the grave or the tavern, let us know. You can write to us at hauntedhospitalitypodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into our DMs. Yes, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Haunted Hospitality. We are also on Twitter at Haunted House. We hope to see you there. Stay, Stay spooky. spooky.